This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell, and today we're going to talk about one of the most common complaints that causes patients to see their doctor. That's back pain. Dr. Spencer Bertram is a pain medicine physician who sees patients at the Mid-Michigan Health Spine and Pain Program located in Midland and West Branch. Health Dose asked Dr. Bertram, why is staying active important for patients with low back pain? If you think about it, maintaining a certain level of activity is just important in general. It's not just for people with low back pain, but it's especially important for people to avoid a worsening of low back pain. Or if there's someone who has episodes of back pain, to lengthen the time in between those episodes or shorten those episodes or make it to where those episodes don't debilitate them to the point where they are out of commission, where they basically they have to check out of life for whatever period of time it takes for that to kind of calm down. And the reason for that is because overall exercise is good for your cardiovascular system. And why does that matter? Well, the cardiovascular system is important in delivering blood and oxygen and also promoting the removal of metabolic end products from all of our tissues. Weight control is super important because elevated weight and distribution of weight in an asymmetrical pattern puts undue stress on all the stabilizing structures in the spine, in the joints. And this is, again, this just isn't just the spine. This is anywhere throughout the body where there are bones articulating with one another. Another reason is just your overall fitness is improved with exercise. And one of the key things that we have to remember in patients with chronic pain is that the mental aspect of chronic pain is very much debilitating. I don't have very many people with chronic pain in my clinic that don't have some component of depression. And a lot of them have anxiety as well. And we just know that exercise and fitness and good cardiovascular health just helps reduce depression, anxiety, and then with that, the effect that pain can have on your ability to function as a human being when you do experience it or when it does peak. I suppose there's a chicken and egg component to the anxiety and the depression. Which came first, the anxiety and depression and the chronic pain, or did the chronic pain contribute to the depression and anxiety? How do you manage those two things? Is that something that you take into consideration? You have to take it into consideration, but answering that question is often impossible. It is what it is, so therefore you have to manage it as it is. Is it so severe that it is debilitating the person? Is their depression and their emotional experience of pain, is it actually taking them over? Is it becoming who they are? Are they now a chronic pain patient stumbling down the street? Or Are they a person that's just mildly affected or somewhat affected because they have pain? And if you were to fix the pain or somehow reduce the pain, that that would resolve or that would be diminished. It's it's really an impossible question to ask a lot of the times. We do know that there are a lot of pain conditions that are associated very strongly with traumatic experiences as a child, whether it's emotional trauma or physical trauma, and then often they manifest with certain types of pain syndromes that can be directly correlated with those. So the chicken and egg, again, we don't have the genetics or the level one science to show that that truly is why, 
but in just long-term studies and just getting good histories and comparing those, we do find that people with traumatic early in life experiences often have things like fibromyalgia and pelvic pain and temporomandibular syndromes, a lot of the pains that we deal with. Not necessarily low back pain, but I, I don't doubt that that's something that can contribute to, to it as well. So exercise is just one piece to help that and reduce it. And I would say the lack of exercise or the lack of activity definitely will cause that to snowball and become even more of a component of their pain experience. You mentioned cardiovascular health, mental health, and weight control, and joint health, and all those things as being components that you're trying to manage along with physical activity. But Mm -hmm. physical activity in and of itself is good for the spine. Is that the case? Absolutely. Physical activity is good for the spine. You're asking me, is it directly important, not indirectly? Right. And I would say absolutely yes, because just think about when astronauts are in space and they're weightless, what happens to the spine, what happens to the bone? And when I talk about the spine, I'm not talking about an entity that I can't break down into parts. We're talking about bone, we're talking about cartilage, we're talking about ligaments, we're talking about muscles, and those all interplay. Those are the spine. And what happens is the bones start to thin, they demineralize, the uh, the cartilage no longer has good blood supply. In fact, cartilage, discs, ligaments, tendons have really poor blood supplies to start with. So activity is their way of bringing in nutrients and getting rid of end products of metabolism. So absolutely exercise does directly or activity does directly impact the spine in a positive way. Why is low back pain so common? What is the cause of low back pain generally? Oh man, really? (laughs) Um, Low back pain is the number one cause for patients to present to a physician across the globe. Without question, it is the number one reason why people go to the doctor. And luckily, the majority of those are acute pain and those resolve. Those are kind of self-sustaining um, and they, they resolve. Or I should say self-resolving. So the reason for that is because of the way that we're designed. And when you think about the things that we do at work, at play, at home, they create a great deal of stress on the junction between the lowest part of the spine and the pelvis. The areas above there are much more stable. For instance, the rib cage is a very stable structure. So if you think about it, you have a cervical spine, you have a thoracic spine, which is connected to all of your ribs. And in the front, it's connected to the chest bone, the sternum, and in the back, it's connected to the spine. And there's lots of ligaments and tendons and muscles that hold it together. Then you have the lumbar spine that starts, and it's five vertebrae. And once you get to the bottom of the lumbar spine, then you hit the sacrum and the pelvis and the iliac bones. And those are very stable structures as well. And so then if you think about it, it's just like the head and the neck is also kind of prone to injuries because you got this big, heavy ball sitting on top of a, a very thin spinal bone stacked on top of each other. So the neck and the low back are really commonly injured areas. And the low back, again, because we bend over, we pick things up, we lift them, we do things where we jump and land on our feet or we fall on our butt or we think it's really exciting to watch someone 
dress up in a bunch of pads and smash into each other. And that is the area that takes the majority of the trauma and the brunt of the high force impacts that we experience throughout the day. And, and the, the funny thing is, is when I talk to patients in the clinic and it's maybe a, a first experience with low back pain or, you know, they're very healthy except for their low back pain, there's always usually something that they did when they were a kid, they were involved in a motor vehicle accident or they were playing a sport and they injured themselves. And that's really all it takes is, you know, one incident or episode like that, you tear a tissue or you damage, you know, some kind of, of structural component in the spine. And then even if you don't feel it, then it sets off a cascade where ultimately when, when they're your and I age, it's called arthritis, it's called degeneration, degenerative disc disease or something like that. So that's why back pain is so common is because first of all, we just don't treat our bodies good. And second of all, it's very at risk based on the design of our spine and our, in the body. We pay an awful price for walking upright. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to get into Darwinism or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, the way that we're designed and the fact that we stand and the things that we do to make a living or to have fun it really kind of puts us in a very precarious position in that regard. What kind of activities are you suggesting for your patients? <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a great question, but the answer is extremely long, but I'll try to abbreviate it. This is the thing. I try to create a cookie cutter program for every patient that I see with low back pain and say, do these exercises. You know, I'm really kind of not doing a very good job. And I see a lot of that, to be honest with you, there's this kind of concept in the medical field that everyone has to have physical therapy and everyone has to do certain activities and exercises. And, and I'll be honest with you, that's taken too much of a shortcut. Really, you asked me earlier, what causes low back pain? And there's a thousand causes with small variations from patient to patient. But what I do is I try to break it up into a couple of different categories. First of all, patients with acute pain or that early first onset of pain Again, a lot of times that resolves on its own and there's really not a whole lot to be done. Those patients, I think, are the ones that are the most important to push the whole idea of activity and exercise because you don't want this to become a chronic issue. And so those are the people that I say, you know what, you need to get into an exercise program that involves cardiovascular activity. You need to get into a situation where you're doing stretching and range of motion activities as well as strengthening activities for your core, which involves a lot of the abdominal structures as well as the tissues that lie in the back. You can divide the body into back and front. The muscles in the back are very important as well as the muscles in the front and there's different activities that you can do for those. But the patient that I see the most commonly is that chronic pain patient who's got degenerative disc disease or arthritis in their spine or a pinched nerve. And a lot of them are older and things that I would suggest a younger patient do actually makes them feel bad or worse. So the bare minimum that I share with them is, listen, I want you to walk to tolerance on a regular basis and you need to walk with purpose. I'm not talking about walking from the living room to the kitchen. I'm talking about go outside and walk for a quarter mile to start, work your way up to a mile. 
focus on climbing stairs. If you have stairs in your house, climb those stairs. Don't avoid them. And the other thing, too, is when you go to the store, don't try to park as close to the building as you can. Park out of ways. Make yourself walk to the store in back. If there's an elevator in the building and you only have a couple of floors to go, take the stairs. Stress those lumbar spine and pelvic structures. The lumbar spine and the pelvis is the most important area for our ability to have longevity when it comes to being functional, meaning you can get up and walk, you can go to events, you can spend time with your family, you can accomplish chores and tasks at home. You have to have strength in the core which is you know, your spinal musculature in the back, as well as your abdominal musculature in the front, as well as your pelvic musculature when we're talking about your gluteal muscles especially. Those are super important muscle groups to maintain strength in. Then when it comes to moving forward with that, then I talk about certain maneuvers that are important. One of the really common maneuvers that I have people do especially if they're not the most robust physically, they can't get out and jump, they can't get out and do you know, high-impact things. When you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning, lie flat on your back before you even get out of bed. I mean, it's better if you're out of bed and on a, a firm surface, but if you're in bed and you, you feel like you want to do some activities at that point, knee-to-chest movements help elongate the musculature in the lumbar and the pelvic area. I saw it patients bring your knees up together with your feet flat on the, the surface you're lying. And then one knee at a time, bring to the chest, wrap your hands around your knee and pull the knee to your chest to tolerance. Hold that for a count of five and let it go. Do the same on the other side, knee to chest. And do that about five to 10 times, whatever you can tolerate. Again, if it's painful, don't push through the pain, push yourself to the pain, knowing that as you do these consecutive days and weeks, you might be able to push through that painful area. The other movement is called a bridge where you are, again, lying. Try to make it easy for people. You're already in bed. You're lying flat on the surface. Again, bend your knees. Bring your feet flat. Put your arms as well flat on the surface as well. And then thrust your pelvic area up toward the ceiling so that your shoulders are flat on the bed, your arms are flat on the bed, and your feet are flat on the bed. Those are the only thing touching the bed. And push upward and hold, just like you're creating a bridge with the front part of your body. And so what that does is it squeezes the gluteal musculature and helps kind of create some activity and some strength in the lumbopelvic area in the back. Then for the abdominal musculature, I don't recommend that you do sit-ups, per se, or leg lifts. Those can be somewhat irritating to the spine, but a crunch type of movement, a modified crunch where you're not necessarily coming all the way up, but you're lifting your head and your shoulders up to the point where you feel your muscles in your abdomen tighten. That's a good movement to do. And that builds the abdominal musculature. And then if you're getting really feisty and you think you can do it, get out of bed and lay on the floor and do what's called a Superman maneuver, where the only thing touching the ground is your belly and your arms are up and your legs are basically your arms and your feet and your head are off of the floor. And what that does is that tenses the, the muscles on the back side of your body, the extensor muscle group, it tightens those. And for all of these exercises, the same principle is true. Don't push through pain, push to the point of discomfort. Give yourself at least 
a series of three or four different times when you're doing these exercises before you expect to not be sore, then push through and pass those. This is not a, a sprint. This is an endurance race. Consistency is really what's important, doing these on a regular basis. So those are the things that I think are important for building the core, especially for someone who is not in a position where they're jogging, where they're out doing high impact things, where they're doing resistance training. These are for people that I see on a regular basis that I'm just trying to find ways to help them reduce the pain experience that they're having because it's an everyday thing. We've already got them on medications. We already have them through the physical therapy experience, through the chiropractic experience. And now we're just seeing these are the things that you can do to help you maintain some level of stability in your spine, which is of utmost importance as time progresses, as we age, that stability in the spine and that health just naturally is going to decline. So these are the things that somehow will help stave off that inevitable process that we're all going to experience as we age. I guess the good news for our listeners is you don't have to be Charles Atlas. What you're talking about is meeting the patient with exercise where they are, as opposed to, I've got to go to a bar class tonight. It's a matter of what is their ability where they are now and being able to exploit that for their health. Yeah. Are there activities that a person should avoid? Yeah. I mean, Again, everyone's kind of at a different place in their low back pain experience. But if you're a person that has frequent exacerbations and remissions of your pain based on how active you are or or if you overdo it, the things that I would say to avoid would be extreme stretches. We want you to be flexible, but, you know, stretching past the point of pain is not wise. Movements where you're bending forward and reaching down to touch the floor especially if you're picking something up, that has to be avoided because that's when your spine is at its most, when it's at the highest risk for injury. When I work out, I shorten the ranges of motions that I perform just because I know when I, in the industry, it is very much promoted. All range of motion is important. So take that weight all the way down to the point where now your joint is at risk. It is at a point where it's barely holding together. So in general, when you're doing anything that's strenuous or, or, or involving any kind of weight outside of your body weight, going past that normal physiologic point where you feel the joint is comfortable is unwise. Again, like I mentioned earlier, sit-ups, you know, traditional sit-ups and leg lifts can be very aggravating to the back. And then again, I tell patients, when you pick something up heavy, do not bend forward and do not twist, and especially do not do those at the same time. The disc in the lumbar spine is probably the the most important structure. It is to blame for the majority of the pains that patients have in their low back. And that disc is put at a very precarious position whenever we go to extreme ranges and we have weight in our extremities. So... Those are the things that I tell people to avoid, like the plague. You know, if I don't mention a couple of other things, my wife will, will be mad. Because she thinks yoga and Tai Chi are the cure for everything. <laughs> so it is not a, you know, those are the types of movements, even in my mature patients, that I think are good. You know, especially yoga, and there's certain things like chair yoga that they do that make it to where if you can't stand and do exercises, 
that's a nice way to do yoga and that increases your flexibility. It's good metabolically for your body just to have that movement. And also aquatic based exercises are great for people that again, if I do that, it's going to irritate my back. And then for the next week, I'm going to be out of commission. Aquatic therapy is excellent. One of the things that I just want to throw in there, I see a lot of patients with chronic pain and it seems like 80 to 90% of them have an issue with weight and they smoke. And those are the two, I feel like I could stop doing pain management and find ways to help people get their weight under control and, and help them with smoking cessation. And I would have probably the busiest practice on the planet if I could effectively do that. So those are the two areas that I think aren't classic pain management issues, but I think they are contributing significantly to the general population's experience with chronic pain. And then of course, chronic low back pain is the most common pain that people have. So invariably it does impact people's chronic low back pain. And patients that are taking opioids that are getting prescribed from me, I start leveraging their opioids against the smoking and the weight control. And if I can't get them to stop smoking, I start pulling back on the opioids. And I've had some good success with getting people to stop smoking by doing that. And, and they're very happy that once we get to the end, that they did that. But that is an epidemic that is contributing to all of those components that we described that affect people's pain experience. So I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least throw something about that in there when I'm talking about how to manage low back pain. It's irrelevant for you to go and exercise and if you're not willing to take care of those areas of your life that you can control. You can't control your genetics but you can control whether you smoke and how much you eat. And people constantly are saying, doc, I've gained all this weight because I, I can't exercise. And the bottom line is, is there's one exercise I tell people that is the most effective and that's called a pushback. And you will never, a pushback is pushing back from the table. You will never outrun your fork. So if you don't do that, all of this is just kind of window dressing. That is pain medicine physician, Dr. Spencer Bertram. Dr. Bertram sees patients at the MidMichigan Spine and Pain Program located in Midland and West Branch. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to midmichigan.org doctors. And to learn more about MidMichigan Health's pain management options, go to midmichigan.org slash pain. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in again soon for another edition of Health Dose.